This is Josh Mills. And this is John Mills. Welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. We are happy to have you guys here with us this week on another wonderful wine episode. And Dad, what are we doing this week? We're doing Chianti's. What Chianti are you doing, Josh? So we're doing Chianti's, and we actually both have ended up having Chianti, both having Chianti Classicos. I have the Castello de Monsanto Chianti Classico Reserva from 2017. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I have the La Marno Chianti Classico, and it's uh, ABV's, well, we can talk about that later, I guess. Yeah. But it's not a Reserva, but it's 2017. Okay, cool. And we're just doing one big plate of food today. Uh, we have some spaghetti alla carbonara. We have some panettone, which is a traditional Italian Christmas bread. And then I kind of did a beefsteak Florentine. Oh, yeah. It looked good. So that's uh, we're going to be having that with both of the wines this week. But before we jump into the wines, we've got to talk about the blind from last week. Yeah, there was a blind, and it was a liquor blind, and I blinded you on a Lear liquor, and what do you, do you remember what you said it was, Josh? Yeah, I thought it was gin. That's it? Yeah, I thought it was gin. That's it. I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> go any farther than that. I just thought I could tell it was a gin. Well, ding, 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 you got it right. All right. Any uh, idea which one it was? No. Okay. Well, no it was Botanist. Gin, and it's it's one of your mom's favorites, and she always has it in the house, except I think we drank the last of it. Uh-oh. Oh, uh, I think Marie finished it off. Well, some somebody finished it off, because I think it's <laughs> it's in the dead bottle, bottle jar, <laughs> or the bottle can. Yeah. Oh, well, cool. All right. So, we're going to go ahead and get into the Chiantis. We're going to start with mine, which is the Castello de, Castello de Monsanto, uh, 2017 Chianti Classico Reserva. All right. So, what, what, are you tell, <clears throat> what are you smelling in it, Dad? Well, what food are we going to start with? Well, just like we said. Well, I don't think there's a really order. It doesn't look like it. I mean, the panettone is probably technically last. It is more of a dessert bread. It's okay, a okay. brioche a brioche style bread. So it's and a little I bit think sweeter. in Italy the uh the pasta would come before the the meat course. So yeah. I think that's the way we ought to do it even though your pasta has pancetta in it, which is the Italian bacon. So I think that's where we'll start. And what am I smelling, Josh? I'm smelling, you know, red dark fruit and the color is red, almost purple out to like a clear meniscus and oh, it's Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, it's really kind of, it's got some testy notes on it. I'm getting a lot of like strawberry kind of flavor, strawberry kind of smells. Yeah, I just gave it a little spin to kind of aerate it a little better. And now I am getting some some strawberry and a little dustiness. Yeah, maybe some uh, like limestone. Yeah, I, I can kind of see that. Yeah. That kind of dirt or dusty kind of road. There's also some, I get some like vegetalness to it as well. Some oh, kind okay. of like green vegetableness, but not a not a whole whole lot to it. Now, for those of you who may be worried that you know we're supporting Monsanto, the GMO giant, um, this actually has nothing to do with them. Uh, this is owned by the Bianchi family. I don't think I would drink anything that the Monsanto. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Pesticide so, people put together. Well, so just, just so you know, that's that's not what that's not what this is. There's a castle in the town near where this is made, 
And that's kind of where they're getting the name Castello, because Castello means castle. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and they've been, the Bianchi family's been making wine in the region for, you know, over, I think they said over a hundred years. And I mean, you were just recently in Tuscany. What can you tell us about Tuscany? Well, we saw in the distance of this castle. We didn't actually go to that location or taste that wine. And I'll talk talk about, well, I think we might have tasted it, but we didn't go on a wine tour of it. But now, the wine that I have, that's a wine tour that we did, and I got a lot of stories about it. But, uh, you know, the the whole area there in Tuscany can have this this layer of fog in the in the time frame when we were there, you know, it can kind of roll in, roll out, even though it's that whole Tuscany area is kind of valleys after valleys mm-hmm. and river running through it. And so that's that's what you see in that whole area. Right. Now, I noticed, too, another thing. You're probably going to go into this. Both our, both our bottles, mine had it on the label that you pull to get down to the cork. Yours has it on the back. But it's a rooster. Yeah. Were you going to go into that story, or I will when it's my turn? You can go ahead and do it now, because they're both. So the the rooster is one of the indications that the wine is DOCG. Uh, we've talked about the kind of some of the labeling laws before um, when we've done Italian wines. Um, just as a reminder, DOCG is Diazione di Geografica Garantia or Control Diazione. The G Organale. stands for guarantee. Right. Control A guarantee. So it's the it's the top level when if you're thinking about the pyramid of of kind of certifications and areas when it comes to wine, this this is the top part of the pyramid for Italy is DOCG. Well, and one of the things that happened is they they were started labeling and they started their labeling kind of after what France was doing. Right. And so they they had a top label of DOC. And then they realized that, you know, there were so many DOCs that they really needed another higher la- label. And that's when they came up with the DOCG. So, right. Yeah. And there was a, it, it's just a guarantee. It's basically a government guarantee that this is actual Chianti Classico that comes from the Chianti Classico region, which is, which does, which follows all of the laws and all the requirements. Exactly. When it comes to the the rules of it, because Chianti Italian wine, well, wine in general, had um has had some issues when it comes to naming. Now, mm-hmm. Chianti is is a region. It right. is not the actual grape that is being used in these wines. The right. majority grape is Sangiovese. So there were a lot of wines, especially coming from the United States, that would be called Chiantis. And they're not Chiantis. Right. <laughs> they're, they're in they're, a different place. But they, they would use the name to kind of hang their hat on just just the name and then it was sub it was subpar wine so they had to go into the whole protection of getting the protection of the region so that's why they have these DOCs DOCGs um, AOCs AOPs DOGs depending on what country you're in it's a it's basically labeling laws and kind of guarantees that that these are what they say they are and you can have Chianti Classicos that are DOC Exactly. But not DOCG. So the Classico can be added after the appellation name for wines that are made in the historic center of the region. You know, the Chianti Classico, the Valpiancia Classico. So that's just kind of giving it another additional appendage to the title. 
Right, but it also indicates a geographic area. Exactly. So Chianti yeah. is... That region. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a specific sub-region of Chianti, which there are quite a few. There's Rufina, there's Colli Florentini, there's um, uh, Colli Artiri, there's Piense, there's Sense, there's Montoblalo, Mont- Montolobolo. And so there's all these there's all these sub-regions of Chianti. Classico is, like Dad was saying, the one that is the most historic to being actual where Chianti started. Did you mention uh, Superoro? Superior, yeah. And and that that means that they have at least 5% or 0.5% higher alcohol. Now, mine is 14.5. So I guess to get that superior name, it'd have to be 15? Well, no, it has to be... Because mine doesn't have that name. Right, but it's a... it it is it it's higher in alcohol than some of the other than some the regular of the other, yeah than the regular. Now one of the things that we learned while we were taking wine tours is that because of global warming and because of the the irrigation laws of these wineries, you cannot irrigate. No. And because of the laws and because of global warming, what is actually happening is that when they create this wine, because of that dryness and that heat and that global warming, they're coming out 14 and a half. So that's another thing. Now, your your wine has the Reserva name, and what that actually means is that it has aged at least two years longer. Two years total. At, yeah, at least two years total. I'm sorry, not mm-hmm. two years longer. But two years total. So yeah. So each. So of these- the main thing is here, listeners, don't get confused. If you really want the good Chianti, and we're back to the rooster, go look for a Chianti that has the rooster. Right. That's gonna. That's a quick visual. But there's also, there's also like a, a band that goes around the top, that is like the government tag. Mm-hmm. which is another way to know that it is DOC or DOCG. Mm-hmm. But there this one this wine's really good. It's it's very it kind of to me it tastes kind of true to a lot of other Italian wines. It's got a big earthiness, but it's got still has good earth and good fruit characteristics on there which carry the wine through. Um the acid is is nice on it. This is 14% alcohol on mine. So it's um it's a good wine. Now, I had it with the spaghetti alla carbonara. Now, spaghetti alla carbonara is not technically Tuscan. It actually comes more from the Romano area around, kind of around Rome. Okay. But I really enjoy it with this. It tastes, I think it goes quite well. What do you think? Oh, I'm still chewing on it, but yes, you're right. It goes very well with this wine, and I'm sure it's going to go well with mine, because these wines are very similar. And I think we intentionally picked these two wines to kind of give you the two different choices. This wine that I'm that I'm going to talk about later had it shipped <laughs> from Italy. I don't think you can find it in the state of Arkansas, and I'm not sure where you can actually even find it. Right. So mine, you know, talk a little bit more. Like we said, this is Chianti. It is a Chianti Classico. It's a Reserva, so it has been aged for. It has been aged for a little bit longer. I actually bought this at Costco, mm. and it was right around, um, I think it was like $22. $22. It's 90% Sangiovese with 10% of 
Florino e Cariano, which I'm not exactly sure what that is a synonym for. So Italy is known for having grape synonyms. So they have, in a different region, the same grape may have a different name traditionally yeah. so yeah. Uh-huh. it can be very difficult to kind of kind of understand it if you are if you're trying to learn it from from the jump but like i said this is 90% sangiovese it is 10% of that other grape that we talked about so sangiovese is going to be the one that's shining through so mm-hmm. that's going to be that strawberry that red that red fruit that kind of tomato some people call tomato leaf as um, a marker when it comes to chianti or it can be found in chiantis um, uh, but it's kind of dusty and I, I just, I really think it's great. Have you had it, any other food yet, Dan? No, I haven't, but I, we got on a sidebar about Classico and the DOCG and I never did answer the story about the rooster. So what happened is you, you kind of look at the bottle and you can, do you wonder why there's a black rooster? Well, okay, I'm, here's the story. Chianti Classico is the area between Florence and Siena. So way back in the 13th century, these cities were fighting over the land because they knew it was such a wonderful area for them, even in the 13th century, to start growing grapes and making really great wine. So what they decided was there were two knights, one from Florence, one from Siena, and they said, okay, we're going to have a race to get to the Classico area. And one night picked a black rooster, and the other night picked a white rooster. Well, they wanted fairness to this race. So what they did is they said, when the, when the rooster crows in the morning, then you, then you can start running to see who gets to, to this area first. Well, the night with the black rooster started starving his rooster, wouldn't feed it. So what actually happened was the black rooster crowed actually before the sun came up. So he hadn't broke the rule because it was when the rooster crows, you can go. Right. But the white rooster, who was not being starved, waited until the sun rose and then crowed. <laughs> so the winner was? Obviously the black. Obviously the black. And so that's the story of the black rooster. And so if you really want the really authentic classico, Chianti classico, look for that black rooster. Yeah. And it's in a it's in a red like a red circle. Yeah, and it's it'll say Chianti Classico. Right. Now it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that the wine is particularly superior to another one that may not have it. Mm. It just is a indication of where it comes from. Exactly. It doesn't have anything to do with its quality. It's honestly just a, a marker that it's from well, Classico. Yeah. And as you said earlier, both our wines had a ring up on the neck that said DLCG. Right. And that's the and that's you want the to look marking. for that because that's the highest level. Yeah, and there's two so there's two bands that go across the top. There's the DOCG and the DOC. Um they're different colors. Mm-hmm. DOCG is blue, I believe, and the DOC is actually red, um, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I think that's right. So have, have you tried this deck? I have not yet. Okay. How is it? I'm working on it. <laughs> but these, you know, Chianti when we talked about it, 
you know, they have to have, they have to be a full, you know, majority Sangiovese. Some of them will put other grapes like Cabernet or Merlot in it, but to be a, but to be a Chianti Classico, it must have, just to be the Chianti, it must be a majority of the Sangiovese, just mm-hmm. like we talked about. And yeah, it, I think it's 80% is, is the requirement, isn't it? Well, I think it depends on the region. Oh, okay. I think it really depends on the region. I think maybe in the just it, just calling it Chianti, mm-hmm. um, it can have less than eighty okay. percent. It's probably usually around seventy five percent. Okay, to okay. be to be that. And I'm I'm reading I'm reading that no white grapes can be blended in. Yes, that is true. It has to be red. And the minimum alcohol is twelve percent. And for the Reserva, it's twelve point five, and then that Reserva has, like we said earlier, that twenty four months. Yeah. So how's the how's the steak? Oh, it's excellent, excellent. And I might as well tell that story while we're talking about the steak. You know, I've I've mentioned this in a previous podcast that you know when we went to Italy, we we stayed at the Castle Apache, and uh, Rusty, both Pepper and Rusty Gravis gave us fabulous tours. Well, Rusty gave us a, t- a quick tour in Florence because we were moving from the Tuscany area from Castle Apache to our next destination was Florence. And so we went to Florence and two, two things, two stories, quick ones. He had uh, made a, a reservation for a lunchtime place and that didn't work out because we didn't, we didn't get to our hotel quick as he thought we would. And by the time we walked over that little restaurant, they'd already given our, our reservation away, which, you know, you can't cry over spilled milk because, you know, rules are rules. They can't hold it forever. Right. So we found this other location and we had a fabulous meal, but I'm seeing them bringing out this huge steak and that's the Florentine steak. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the story is that when Rusty left us, he gave us several restaurant business cards yeah and this is like here's restaurants that i recommend that are kind of off the beaten track that you probably will be the only tourist in there and sure enough we went to one this one restaurant and the steak florentine was fabulous and it is expensive depending on where you get it it's going to be from like 40 well, it's by the pound, of course, or by the kilo, but it's going to be advertised from something like 40 euros to 60 euros, depending on which restaurant you go to. Now, that's not for a steak. Wait, 40 to 60 euros a kilo? A kilo. Oh, a kilo. Okay. Now, that is a little bit high. I thought you were saying for the steak, it was only 40 to 60 euros. I'm like, that's no. not. And these, and these are like, at all. like a two-inch porterhouse kind of. Yeah, so the cut was so beefsteak Florentine is a is a very very traditional is a very very traditional dish in Florence and in the Tuscan region where it is it is a porterhouse. It's traditionally from a particular type of cow mm-hmm. um, that were actually brought back from China mm-hmm. to Italy, and you used to order them by the finger. So, how many fingers of steak do you want? So, yeah, it's that's how thick the steak the steak would be, um, and it's usually cooked very rare. Yeah, yeah, and this it's not yeah. something you ask you would, for. You would actually insult them if you said, "I want this steak." Anything you would say, you would <laughs> insult them. Whether you said rare, or you said medium, or you said medium rare. 
no matter what you say, yeah. you insult them. Because their job is to cook that steak to the perfection that they require for it to be. Right. And so it's, you, they just, they cook it. It's usually cooked very rare, though. It yeah. usually comes out rare or below rare. Is that about where yours was, was rare? Yeah, it wasn't mooing yet. It, I think the mooing had stopped. Okay, but just, just a little bit ago. Yeah. So it was, so they're done very rare. And Chianti's go really, really well with meat. Mm-hmm. You know, any type of meat and game that, that you would put in front of it, it would go well with. Even some lighter or some heavier styles of fish, mm-hmm. I think would actually go well with a Chianti. Um, you won't, because of that, it's not overly tannic. Right. There are tannins present. It's not overly tannic. No, it's it's kind of medium. I consider you know kind of medium bodied. There's there's some great flavors that go on with it. Um, I really like I really like Chianti in most most meats, but I really like it with short ribs. Oh, okay, yeah, it goes really well with oh, short yeah, it ribs would. or anything that's got a real big beefy flavor. Um, you know, we don't really have any really kind of vegetables or fish on here. Um, but I almost did. So in in Italy, around the holiday season, there's uh, they call it the Feast of Seven Fishes, mm-hmm. and there's a whole whole swath of of seafood dishes that kind of go along with it. I think something that heavier. I was think I was thinking about making a a uh, kind of like a seafood stew, like a tomato based seafood stew. Mm-hmm. I think this would go well with it. I think it would. I think the the Chianti would kind of hold up to it because it's not really going to overpower it. Right. But having that tomato base for it would be, I think, would be really good. I think it would too, Josh. We'll, we'll have to do that. Yeah, but this steak goes, I mean, this is a steak and red wine pairing that I can get behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It isn't a fruit bomb. It's got that earthy, which matches in the steak. Absolutely. Um, the beefy, the, this is, and this steak is cooked rare, I would say, yeah. mostly. Um, there are parts that are a little bit more, but, um, overall I would say it's probably rare or medium rare. Mm-hmm. And the, the interesting thing too, is when I think they, they do this in all restaurants, at least we saw it in, in, uh, the one that was the lunchtime one and this one, and we were at another restaurant and I saw it another time. They introduce you to your order house. Oh yeah. In other <laughs> words, in other words. Here it is. It's it, it's been cut. It hadn't been cooked. It's you know. Sometimes I I saw them in the window of the restaurant, uh-huh. and so it's an aged steak. Yeah, from that standpoint, and so they bring it to you and show it to you, and they tell you that it's two point four kilo and it's going to cost this much. Right, and you you say. Yes, mm-hmm. I guess if you didn't like the introduction, you could tell him to go get another one that you'd prefer. Well, and, and then, maybe that wouldn't upset him. But I was, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to do that. that. Yeah. I wouldn't want to find that out. But I thought that was quite interesting. Now there's some restaurants around Taylor's. Mm-hmm. You pick it out from the from, from the, the case from yeah. the case. There's one up in Kansas City that they do the same thing that I. I used to go to right and you know i think that's an interesting way to do it yeah i think it's kind of i think it could be along the lines of okay well that one's too big or right. that one's not big enough you know hey we're look, we're really hoping for a bigger one 
kind of, I think that's kind of why they show it to you. And I think it's also just to prove that it's a good steak. Right. Because there were a while, I think it was in the 80s, 70s, may have been in the 80s, but they, the Italian government actually outlawed beefsteak Florentine. Oh, and they were protesting in the streets. Yeah, they were protesting in the streets about it. So I think maybe it might have something to do with with that aspect of it, where it was, you know, because there were some there were some issues with the beef. I think mm-hmm. with beef, and with, that was why it was, you know, it was actually outlawed for a little while. Uh, so I now, think now, you know, we split it, but I because we're all. Well, three out of the four of us were 70, and we don't eat quite as much as we used to. Right. But once that steak got there, I think I'd have eaten it all by myself. <laughs> but we shared it between the four of us. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times you'll see four adults get four big old oh, yeah. quarantine steaks. Yeah. Because, I mean, like you There said, is a little bit of waste. Yeah, you have the bone and everything. Yeah. Well, the bone for sure, and there is some fat. But they intentionally have that fat on there to give you the the flavor that you're expecting. Mm-hmm. So this panettone um, or panettone um, is a sweet bread. It's a traditional Christmas bread in Italy. Um, it usually has chestnuts, uh, like orange. It has some orange flavor to it. It will have uh, I think raisins in it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they make uh, they make all sorts of ones. Some of them are filled. Yeah. There's filling inside. This one does not have that. Um, I just thought it would be fun to have it because it is a, we are moving into the holiday season still. And I think, you know, kind of representing some of those traditions, which Italy has when it comes to the holidays was, was important. Well, it's, I've tried it. It's very good. There is, like you said, there's a little, uh, the citrus spice with it, the raisins, I can see those in it, and then the sweetness of the bread. It's quite good with this wine. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's going to be good with mine as well. I mean, these. I don't know how much taste profile difference there's really going to be between yours and mine. Yours is Reserva. Okay, it's, it's aged longer. But does that really mean it's going to taste better? Not necessarily. Well, maybe not better, but it'll taste different. Yeah, it'll taste different. Yeah, now, that aging is in French oak. I think it's actually in the bottle. Yeah, I, I couldn't quite figure that. Well, what it says here, Reserva wines also have to be aged three months in the bottle. So I think the three months is on top of the 24. Well, or three, month, or three months of the 24 have well, to be Well, it could bottle. be. It's not clear. So it's in, not clear. when I was going over the text sheet of this, um, it didn't say how long it it ages it just says that it ages in mm-hmm. 550 liter french oak barriques um as well as concrete no oh, there was another it was all wood but it, oh. they were big they were big 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 barrels yeah so like 250 or a 500 liter french oak barrel and partially in 225 liter barriques okay um so you're not you're gonna get a a little bit of oak play from it but not really right that's why there's no real like extra baking spice right or any kind of like coconut or dill or cinnamon or those things because they are it is such a large format that they're aged in okay yeah 550 liters 500 liters 500 liters yeah so i'm trying to do the math in my head 
It's big. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a it's not a normal barrel. No, that's like it's fifty 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 gallon or something. I don't know the conversion. Well, it's <laughs> close to four liters to a gallon. Not you know, not quite. So yeah. Yeah, they're big and I'm um we saw them when we were on our tours. Mm-hmm. You see them you see them a lot, you know. Especially the bariks, especially the two the two hundred twenty five gallon or liter bariks, those are very common. Well, I don't really have much more about this. If you want to, you know what would go really good with this bread? What? There's a little bit of that chestnut honey that I have. I don't know. That chestnut honey might take over. I think it would, but I'm willing to try it later. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to listeners. We're not going to stop it right now. But yeah, so that's the uh, that's the Monsanto Castello di Monsanto Chianti Classico 2017 Reserva. Mm-hmm. You ready to switch over to yours? Sure, why not? Okay, so remind us what um, what the wine is, and the food's all the same. So it's a Lermano, L-O-R-M-A-N-O, and it's a 2017 Chianti Classico. It's got the black rooster, and it's interesting how your bottle has the black rooster on the back label. Mine had the black rooster on the neck, and I'm not real sure even with the research we just went through if there's really any difference. Uh, and both of ours had the label that said DOCG. So they're both DOCG. Now, mine has a 92-point rating from somebody named James Sucker. Okay. Have you heard that name? James Sucker or James Suckerling? Suck Sucking. Yeah. So he is, you know, he's, he's a wine expert. And he, he and his, uh, I guess he, he can't do this all by himself because it says we add 500 to 800 new wine ratings every week. Yeah. And so I, I think that's an important thing to know is that somebody's going through and rating these and, you know, 92 is not 100 because that's the top, but 92 is a, a fantastic rating. The story... The story that I have is that when we were in Florence and Gene and Becky had already left, uh, Joanne and I said, well, you know, they're gone. What are we going to do this fun? And so we found that we could go on this like a 12 passenger van and take a tour of this winery because Florence and the location of this winery is not that far apart. It was like an all day in, in the van, but... What we actually did, and, and for anyone that's uh, curious, you walk to the train station, and actually, you don't take the train, but you take a tram to the north, the last north stop of the tram. So there's trams that come in like buses to the train station. So we took that, and there were, it's an eight pass, it was a 12 passenger van, but I think there were only uh, seven, let's see, seven of us. Plus the driver. The driver's name is Luca. He did a great job. He, uh, a lot of what you start seeing is there's a lot of travel, but he would stop every so often to take pictures. Uh, you get to see some really nice winery vineyard pictures. And then when we, when we got to Lanarno, the, it's a, it's, it started. So this one family has been running it since 1904. But it's been there, and it built up around the church. 
mm-hmm. in the 1300s. Oh, wow. So it's been there a long time. The um, And then in like 1924, everybody's doing this, you know, being uh, herbicide free and doing those things. They started doing what most, most rhineries are doing today is, you know, they let the grass grow up and they till that under every other row to, to do that. And, you know, so it's, it's a very sustainable model of ag- agriculture. Mm-hmm. And we had a really, you know, we had a really great, great tour guide. Um, they have about, I, th- I think her name was uh, the, the Italian equivalent to Elizabeth. Can't remember exactly what that was, but they, what they do is if you want to take that tour and it's not that expensive, but yeah, it's, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a couple hundred bucks per person. Yeah. You're in the, you're in the van all day. And the nice thing is he didn't drop us off at the train station because we would have to walk another mile, to get to back to our hotel. So he dropped us more central in this, in Florence, but it's like they have, um, let's see, 70, hectares that's actually of the winery they have a total of 180 hectares and they actually have olive oil and so we bought some of their olive oil and it's really it really good yeah or was it balsamic no we bought balsamic so and like you said josh it's uh they they stored it in and you you go into their their they're like underground not really cave, but underground location. And, you know, the temperature is so constant down there mm-hmm. and it's in, it's in those big, I guess it's the same size you were talking about. Yeah. Now they, they put some of their wine into French oak and they're, they're the small barrels. Yeah. The, the standard size right for barrels, right? It's 52 or 56 liter. What are you getting on the nose? So this one's a little bit more fruit forward to me. Um, it get a little bit brighter fruit, um, a little less of that kind of earthy dusty tones. When I'm when I'm kind of smelling it initially, um, not really getting any kind of vegetal vegetaliness on it, kind of like I did like I did with the other one. But basically the same exact color, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, the, I said 13th century, I think. But it was the 15th century that they built built this around this church. But still, <laughs> for us, that's a million years ago. There's nothing in the United States that's that old, hardly. Mm-mm. So they they uh, avoid chemical fertilization, no herbicides. They allow the digging for the terracing. Uh, they preserve, you know, a lot of what has to happen in in Italy is you got to preserve the water by avoiding any kind of um, vineyard irrigation it's just illegal so I, I find that confusing but i understand it how do, why do you find that confusing well i thought that all wineries were allowed to just automatically water like any other crop in the in you know water the corn water no whatever, you actually yeah. you actually want wine you want vines to struggle you want them to go find the water so exactly. that they can propagate themselves. It's also if they they actually are better for wine when they struggle. So, so that's why you don't want to have a whole, whole lot of grapes on there 
And sometimes they'll actually drop bunches. They'll grow. It's called green. It's called a green harvest. Yeah. Where they'll go through, and if it has more than a couple bunches on it, sometimes they'll cut those off. Yeah, so we learned more about it. So when we were in Chianti, um, I found it very confusing. But when we went to Alba and we went to the different wineries there that we saw, we actually went into one and they had this cutaway that those roots, those wine roots will burrow down eight to ten feet Mm -hmm. searching to find that water yep and like you said that makes that that vine so much stronger Mm -hmm. and like you said they they trim certain branches off that vine to make it stronger and they actually will cut off the fruit Mm mm-hmm well and you because well the when you drop the bunches that you don't want it energy to spread too much you want it to focus mm-hmm. want it to focus that energy on on a few on a few different bunches because it, it can actually become weak the grapes will not be as strong or there won't be as much juice or they won't ripen all the way if there's too many bunches going on now i've tried it with the pasta carbonara i think it's really good it has it brings that fruit and a little bit of acidity to the pasta. The pasta is a little fatty because um, all spaghetti alla carbonara is is eggs, eggs, cheese, salt and pepper, and pasta, and then pancetta. Mm-hmm. So you actually cook the egg with the pasta, mm-hmm. <clears throat> with the heat of the pasta, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what makes your sauce. And you add in a little bit of pasta water to give a little bit thinner. Thinner consistency. This is actually a little thick for pasta carbonara, and it's gotten cold, so it's kind of um, conge- so, congealed so. a little bit. But the cheese, it goes. I think it goes really well because the the wine brings some acidity to it. It brings some more some fruit characteristic to it, and kind of livens it up a little bit. So are you saying this wine goes better with the pasta than the first one? Um, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. They both went well, <laughs> at least in my book. Mm-hmm. But I can tell a difference between these two. Like when I taste them, I can tell that, like this one seems fresher. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it obviously it hasn't aged as long, so it is a little bit fresher. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Reserva is a little bit more constrained, has a little bit more right. of the earth driving it. Mm-hmm. The fruit has has developed a little bit more. Because of that aging process. I agree with that. Now, talking about pressure, listeners, do you know what happened in Arkansas? Well, I'll tell you. The truck carrying our Beaujolais Nouveau Uh wrecked. There will be no Beaujolais Nouveau in the state of Arkansas. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, I found that out before Thanksgiving and I'm still suffering. (laughs) Well, it'll be fine. You've got all this. Well, we got all this. You got all this great Chianti (laughs) wine coming in. Yeah. So, if anybody wants to ship us some, I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> Just have Marie bring some from Well, we, we got plenty of wine. You know, this is really a good one. They're both good. Um, What else did, did I... Uh, the other story... You know, we both found... We both know that uh, the Chianti can only be made in really one location. It has to be made in Chianti. Yeah, and it's... Uh, 
Sangiovese grape. Well, tell just tell us about some of your visits when you were in Tuscany and going to different wineries in Chianti and and, well, the, in, and surrounding in Tuscany. Well, that that uh, Chianti tour was the only one. We only went to this one one winery. Well, but you went to some others in Tuscany. Well, we did. Uh, the other one in Tuscany, and I, I forget the exact name of it was, is we 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 took the train and then did a transfer, and uh, we had this taxi driver that was kind of clueless. But so the the one that was in Tuscany, okay. And here's something you find out is that you go and you want to have a wine tasting, and it depends on how the winery wants to do it. This particular one, if I remember correctly, Josh, they had like seven different uh, wines that we could have tasted, mm-hmm. but for the for the tour, it was four. And for the tour, and I'm talking about Lermarno, they the food was, you know, cheese and crackers, meat and crackers, just kind of a, just a, a you know, a little a little charcuterie board. But the first one we went to in that Tuscany, or uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Tuscany area, it wasn't a full meal, but it was a whole lot more food. Right. Didn't they do some like pairings with it? They actually did pairings and, and, and the person that was describing it said, okay, we're doing this one. Try this food first. Yeah. But the, at, and that doesn't make Lomarno worse. It's just how the different ones do it. Yeah. And so that's what you're going to run into when you do wine tasting, whether it's the United States or whether it's Italy or anywhere. Some will give you more food than others. I mean, we've had wine tastings here in in, uh, uh, Arkansas through Vino's or Petit and Geek. Right. You're basically getting a full meal. Yeah. With however many wines. So you can't, you know, and you really can't judge it on the price either because... Some of these have that that driver's driving you all day, maybe. Right. So when you did this, when you did this one, um, what was? Did they take you on a tour throughout, or did you just were you able just to kind of walk through, or what was? What yeah, was she that took like? she took us through uh, Elizabeth or whatever the Italian name was. She took us through and you know showed us the vats where it's it's. Um, turned it into wine and then she showed us the the big wooden however many 500 liter containers where that was and that was like down in their their cavern you can call it a cave because it's it kind of is a cave it's a wine yeah and and the interesting thing is as you're walking down those steps you got to really be careful but you're walking down those steps and then you look over and it's like wait a minute there are spider webs and all that but that bottle says 1972 <laughs> yeah it's like i'd like to try that one please <laughs> yeah it's probably probably tastes pretty good and it'd be, uh, it'd be extremely different than i think probably anything you've ever tried before oh it would be but yeah and and others well actually lamarno we didn't walk through the vineyard okay in the one in the tuscany area we walked out into the vineyard and she's telling us the whole thing about how they they cut this vine off and let that fruit drop on the ground and and same thing with 
when we went up to Alba and we went through those three different wineries, you know, they give you, each one of them is going to give you different information. So we're using, so that's the point. Don't just do one. Don't just do one. Pick out a couple or three so that, and you could have, we had this one up in Alba where we actually went to three different vineyards. Right. Now, did you, were you guys there at harvest or had harvest already happened? Harvest had already happened. Okay. You know, the harvest happens and some places they, they use the machine. And mm-hmm. so at the end of the row, there's still going to be some clusters hanging. Yeah. Other places, it's all by hand. Yeah. And still there may be clusters hanging because they did the harvest and those weren't ready and everything's done. Right. Go, uh, once but again, this is really good. Once again, it goes really well with the steak. You know, it it has enough body to carry through the steak. Um, the, you know, this one, the steak, the steak kind of takes away the earthiness and just kind of leaves the, the really fruit. So it's really, the wine becomes really fresh and really new. Um, kind of very fruity, very cherry, strawberry, heavy on it. <clears throat> I really agree. You know that earthiness of the of the steak in this wine. I'm gonna struggle, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I think both all, both of these wines. I've not tried the the Christmas bread yet. Both of these wines go well with the food you you determined for us to use. It's all fantastic. I don't think of a Cabernet Sauvignon from Italy, but they do. You know, Lenarno does that. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a whole that's a whole episode right there with the Super Tuscans and exactly and that whole conversation about declassification too. Right. Well, and they they have white grapes. There's a whole nother. You know, we we picked some of the white grapes wines and brought them home. Yeah, it's mostly just um, it's usually Chardonnay. It usually is Chardonnay from Tuscany is kind of the white is one of the whites that they mm-hmm. really do a lot, a lot of or some Vermentino is another one, which is done a lot in the Tuscan region, which is a nice light, light bodied white. But yeah, I really like this with the, with the Panatone, the, the orangey, orangey, cinnamony, eggy sweet bread goes really, really well with this. And it's almost like you put a, like a cherry jam on it. Oh, okay. And the cherry jam is, you're outside and it's dusty a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it's, I, th- I think it's really, really good. So, yeah, it's, it, the harvest happens like end of September, mid-October, and that's when we were there. And all of the vineyards that we toured, the the harvest had happened. And one of the things they said is it's been such a warm year. Yeah. That they, they harvested earlier than you know maybe normal mm-hmm. and most of it's done by hand i mean you want to make sure you get that that cluster right at absolutely the right time mm-hmm. and then you can come back you know, days later and get a whole nother batch yeah so sometimes that's sometimes there that'll be done that way and sometimes it won't be kind of like you said sometimes they'll just be left because some in some places there are windows in only 
particular windows in which you can harvest mm-hmm. to be considered a uh, like I'm just thinking of champagne. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to pick between within a certain window that's that's delegated. I'm not sure if it is in Chianti as well, but so we we did. Um, so we tasted only four at this location, and then she came by and she said, "Oh, would you like to taste this one?" Oh no, thank you. Oh wait, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so of course we did. Yeah, and. You know, the first place over in Tuscany, and you, you heard this from your mom last night, it seemed very, very pricey to ship it. Right. And so we carried those, and thank you, Gene and Becky, they brought brought them back uh, for us. And then this place, Lamarno, the price that they showed us included the shipping to mm. the United States. Wow. As long as you ordered a case. Okay, yeah. So we had picked out like seven, and she said, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh-oh, we've got to get more. Uh-oh, oops, oops, we got to buy more. And uh, we've got a, you know, another another batch, of, another case, I guess it is, coming from the Alba. So have, have you have you had it with the Panettone yet? The it's Panettone? very good, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, I don't know what I'm going to do on best on plate. I'm gonna well, to, I'm going to have to figure it out. That leads and I don't me. know if we're ready that for that yet or not. Uh, do you, what else would you like to tell us about your wine? Because I think we're, if there's nothing else, that's where we're at. Well, I guess that's where we are. I mean, this uh, John Sucking, I, I think that'd be a fantastic job to rate wines, you know? Yeah, ratings, so ratings are iffy. Uh, of course they are. That's one person's opinion. And sometimes it's... And, uh, and somehow this guy got famous. Well, so he is... He's a... He's a... I think he's a master of wine, as well as a master sommelier. Uh, but he also... You know the master courses? Yep. He's He teaches wine for the master courses. Okay, yeah. Um, so he's well-known. He actually... And he's a cigar critic. Yes. <laughs> um, he's actually based out of Hong Kong. Uh-huh. It's kind of where he had, like, I think that's kind of where he had settled his career before he, you know, really started into this education rating piece. Um, but yeah, he's a he's an interesting fellow. Have you ever met him? No, he's in Hong. Maybe, no, he's well, in. I Hong thought Kong. maybe he might have accidentally showed up. No, somewhere you were working in Montana. No, he no he did not. Um, I've just seen him, and I've like I follow him on social media and oh okay and things like that. Yeah. Well, okay. Best on plate. Oh man. Well, I'll go. I'll go first to give okay. you some more time to think. Right. I think with my wine, uh, my favorite pairing was the steak. Um, I think that was probably my favorite pairing. And with your wine, my favorite pairing was the panettone. Actually. Oh the, really? The panettone. Mm-hmm. Like it just, it was it was something completely different once I had the wine with it. So. On your wine, I'm going to agree with you. Your wine and the steak is the best pairing. Okay. The Panettone, to me, pretty much went equal, regardless of which wine it was. Because the the sweetness of that Panettone and the sweetness of the two wines are pretty much the same. There's not any real bitterness to these wines. Uh, They're both dry. I think yours was maybe a little drier. And I think that's why it went better with the steak. Okay. So for me, my wine went better with the pasta. Okay. 
and I, and I'm not real sure why. Yeah, I don't know if it was the egg or the pancetta, and I think maybe it was the pancetta because that saltiness of the pancetta I think went better with my wine. Okay, cool. All right, well I think we are ready. We're down just down to the blind now. Oh, we're doing a blind today? I mean, we don't have to. Well, <laughs> I've got one ready. All right, well, let's get it poured up. Okay, so we've got the blind poured up here. Dad did mention to me that this may not be on the uh, level two list of testable wines, or the certified list of testable wines, which is just fine, but it is a white wine. It's only because I didn't check, Josh. Right, like I said, it might be. I'm not... Yeah, I'm not saying that it's not. Um, excuse me. Uh, this is a white wine. There is no evidence of gas or sediment. It is a pale, kind of a pale gold. No, pale, pale straw color. It's got kind of looks like it maybe has some like silver or greeny secondary colors to it. Um, it smells clean. There is some. There's kind of some appleiness I'm kind of getting, and maybe some pear. Um, but it's our own, and then there's like almost like some citrus pith or some uh, really really light, almost bittery bitteriness when it comes to the uh, the pith part. Not really getting any kind of earthy characteristics or anything out of the nose. There's maybe some light, some light minerality to it. Not really getting any. Not really getting any floral. No, please don't record this. Please don't. <laughs> no. Don't care of that. Um uh, there's like I said, there's not a whole lot going on on the nose besides the fruit. There may be a little bit of florality. No real vegetable quality on the nose. Um, this wine is a dry wine. The acid is kind of, I'd say medium plus the, um, it's real lean in texture. Um, it's the alcohol on it is a medium. I would, I would say it's not real high. It's not real prevalent. Yeah. There's no real like extra bitterness, bitterness on there. Um, like I said, it's really lean in texture as well. Um, so on the palate, there's no, I'm kind of just confirming everything that I talked about on the nose. There's a little bit more minerality on it, but it's not a whole, whole lot. There's maybe some light white flour in there. There's definitely kind of some citrus pith it has like some citrus pithiness to it there is the um kind of more uh tree fruit like apples or pears um, but it's not super super prevalent yeah i get apple Very nice about that. finish on it it's kind of short so i think that this is an old world wine um, possible countries are France, Italy, and it's not Granada. I don't think it's that. May possibly Germany, but I highly doubt it. 
Um, possible grape varieties are Pinot Grigio or Pinot Gris, um, Pinot Blanc, um, Vermentino, um, so what makes you think it's old world as opposed to new world? It just, it, it, it's not real fruit forward. The acid is higher. There's not a, the fruit characteristics are, are really kind of muted. Mm. Um, so that's kind of why I think it's from that. Um, it's probably from a cooler, cooler climate um, or a kind of a moderate climate. Um, I think, take another taste of this. I think I know what it is, but I'm not sure. <clears throat> I could be Austrian. It could be it could be Gruner Veltliner from Austria as well. Um, I think because there's not a whole lot going on in this. I think it's from Italy. I think it's Pinot Grigio. Um, from a moderate from a moderate producer from probably 2019 maybe 2020. So that's what I think it is. I think we've got a, we've got a Pinot Grigio here in the glass uh, from Italy. So you'll have to tune in next week to figure out if I am right, or most likely if I am incorrect on this wine. So what are we doing next week, dad? Oh my gosh. What are we doing? We're doing beers. I know that. Pause it. All right, Dad, so what are we doing next week for our beer week? We're doing sours. Okay, what sour are you going to do? I'm going to do the New Belgium Sour IPA. Oh, all right. Here we go, an IPA, y'all. Here we go. We're doing sours, and Dad found a good sour IPA. Uh, I'm going to be doing from Left Hand Brewing, Wheels Goes Around. Um, it is their oh, I've heard of that lemon one. and raspberry Ooh, goza. That sounds great. Yeah, so it's going to be a good old time. Good old time. Well, Dad, another great podcast, I think, don't you? I think so, yeah. Yes. How could you go wrong with Chianti Glasgow? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we appreciate all you guys listening out there in the listener world. Once again, remember, as always, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Most active on Instagram, we are at Acquired Tastings. Give us a like, a follow um, on one of those platforms. Also, if you like what we're doing, hop over on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. Give us a rating, a stars, ratings. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, feel free to send us messages on social media. Or you can feel free to send us an email, acquiredtastings at gmail.com. And as you're going through your holiday season, we hope you stay safe and have a wonderful holiday season. Feel free to tag us. In any of your oh, posts, yeah, absolutely. Let us know what you're drinking, what you're eating out there. If you have a fantastic pairing, send us send us a shout out. And on, if you have any questions, let us know. Yeah. So we ju- we just we want to be more interactive with you guys. We really appreciate all of you that are listening. We have our listenership has grown quite a bit recently, and we're very very happy to have all you guys along with us. And so once again, I'm Josh Mills, and I'm John Mills, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. And goodbye.